Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Um, today there was a an event in uh, Palestine in occupied Jerusalem where uh, Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir um, went on the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is a religious site for Muslims that sparked outrage. We're going to, um, Summer and I are going to be speaking about that and also to get some reaction from uh, some experts uh, from Palestine that was actually aired earlier and also get your reaction. Uh, Summer, are you there? Yes, good morning, Ahmed. Hope you are feeling better now. I am a little bit uh, feeling better. Under the weather? I was, uh, traveling, yeah, but uh, yeah, under the weather. But I'm going to play the song, and then when we come back, we're going to get into our show. This is True Talk uh, on the BMNF 88.5. We'll be right back. I'm not hearing anything yet, Ahmed. Now I am. Are you hearing now? Yeah. Your favorite song. <laughs> it's beautiful though. Should we hear you instead? Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 uh, with Ahmed and Samar. That's Ya uh, Lili um, by a Tunisian artist. Um, Blati. Balti. It's Balti, Summer's favorite song. And um, actually, it's uh, one of my favorite songs. And um, we're back. So, Summer, um, 
all the news is reporting, especially out of the Middle East, that uh, Israel's far-right minister, uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir, uh, enters Al-Aqsa in what is seen and uh, widely called as a provocation. And Al-Aqsa Mosque is the third holiest site for Muslims around the world. There are over um, something like 1.5 billion Muslims. Uh, there are three holy sites uh, that they observe. Uh, Mecca is the first that we face uh, for prayer. Medina, which is another site also in Sa- is what is now uh, Saudi Arabia, where the Prophet uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, migrated to and established the religion. And Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is in Jerusalem, which actually before uh, Mecca and Medina uh, were were established as uh, holy sites for Muslims, that's what uh, that's the direction that Muslims actually faced uh, for prayer. So it's also an important site for Jews and Christians. Um, many people, or most people, for the longest time, for centuries, it was accessible to everyone um, equally. But there are different parts in Jerusalem or in the Al-Aqsa compound. Um, specifically for Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And this specific minister, Itamar Ben-Gavir, um, entered the Al-Aqsa Mosque and uh, around the Dome of the Rock. In reaction, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Jordan, who are all have, uh, are, well, especially the UAE and Jordan, have some, you know, normalized relations with Israel. Uh, they joined the Palestinians in condemning a far-right Israel, Israeli minister's brief visit to Al-Aqsa Mosque compound with the Palestinian leadership calling the intrusion a, quote, un, an unprecedented provocation, end quote. This is uh, being reported by Al Jazeera. Today's visit by Israel's national security minister, Itamar Ben-Gavir, risks stoking tensions with Palestinians with the Hamas group that governs the besieged Gaza Strip, warning that such a move would cross a red line. Ben Gavir, who was seen at Islam's third holiest site under heavy security, said, quote, our government will not surrender to the threats of Hamas. Um, the Israeli far-right leader has long called for greater Jewish access to the holy site, which is viewed by Palestinians as provocative and as a potential um, to Israel taking complete control over the compound. Leading rabbis forbid Jews from praying at the site. Ben Gavir wrote on Twitter that his visit, um, his visit that the site is, quote, open to all if Hamas thinks that it, that if it threatens me, it will deter me. They should understand that times have changed, end quote. And times have changed indeed, Summer. This guy, uh, Itmar Ben-Gavir, was once seen as, or as it, or not seen, but he was a backer of terrorist organizations and terrorists themselves, um, an extremist. He was so extreme that um, he was not allowed to even join the Israeli military. He was exempt from it because of his extreme views. He had been arrested several times because of his extremism, and now he's, part of the government. Not only that, he's the chief of security that governs uh, borders with uh, the Palestinians. And that has a lot of power and has a lot of people very concerned. So times have indeed changed. And it's just a sign of 
the growing extremism in Israel. Right? Many, many years ago when uh, Sharon uh, went to the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque and Al-Haram al-Sharif, um, there was a intifada, an uprising happening and lasted for uh, many years. So it is seen as an incitement and provocation. And actually the United Arab Emirates uh, postponed a trip that was supposed to happen with, um, I'm not sure if it was Netanyahu or some higher up people uh, visiting Dubai, trying to push the Abrahamic Accords forward. So uh, I think I I was driving up uh, to here, Ahmed, and I was listening to a fascinating interview conducted by Amy Goodman with Diana Bhutto and Gedon Levy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Finally, it's it's so out there that people know that this is a right-wing um, government and a right-wing uh, society, mainly uh, a majority right-wing society. And he spoke something interesting, Ahmed. I'm not sure if you listened to the interview, but he said that people, most people who live in that part of the world, uh, in uh, Israel, they don't see the daily suffering of Palestinians, though they don't know the nature of occupation. And you fi- and I find this very um, intriguing, fascinating, depressing, because how with all this media, the ability to, like I was driving on I-75 and there was a car on fire. I already sent the Mm -hmm. film, short film, uh, to uh, I-75 Twitter account and it's all over uh, the net now. So how in this... Oh, really? Mm -hmm. How in this age and time and technology, uh, Gidon says, you know, people who live in Israel don't know how Palestinians live. They don't know that they are under occupation and that they have uh, an apartheid system, even with the Israeli citizens, with uh, like Palestinians who have Israeli citizenship, who live inside the state of Israel, the formal state of Israel, that they don't know that they have uh, laws that discriminate against them. So I'm not sure if if this is true. Actually... Or, no, I mean, it could be willful ignorance. I mean, you know, it's you know it exists, you ignore it, or they're so busy with so many other things that they keep them occupied or entertained, just like in this country. Many people don't know what the government is doing. Yeah, it's it's like, again, the people keep asking me. I know I am di- diversing here and going to another um uh, question, but like people Perfect. in the Arab world are asking me, what on earth is happening with the uh, Congress and why can't they pick a Speaker of the House? And, you know, it, it seemed too complex. But at the same time, I have friends here who are Americans who have no clue that this is happening. That So it's yeah. true in a way that, like you said, I think you just said it right. Um, willful ignorance like you don't want to follow the news you don't want to know what is going on you just want to live your life and I find this to be frustrating and depressing and at the same time is it irresponsible I mean isn't there a certain responsibility on the citizens on the people to know what their government uh, is up to um, or is it the, the government's and the people in power just have things set up in a way that people are just so distracted, whether it's, you know, binging on Netflix all weekend or, uh, you know, getting home barely and having enough time to 
uh, make dinner and spend some time with the kids. But all these things are happening. Like, you're right. I don't think people realize, hey, there's no Congress right now. Like, literally, there's no members of Congress because they can't seat them, especially in the, in the House, because they can't seat any of those members until a speaker is chosen. And there's this gridlock over the speaker being basically kind of hijacked or blackmailed by 20 so members um, who are, you know, really extreme to the right. I, I, I mean, McCarthy is yeah. already a right wing and that <laughs> it's not even good enough for them. It's just so crazy that that's happening. But it just shows you how polarized the country is. And it's only made possible because they only won by a very small majority that uh, 20 of their members can hold up uh, the speaker, um, uh, you know, uh, vote and and basically say they'll never vote for him until there are some alternatives. They're basically holding up the whole process. And uh, it seems like they're getting what they want. He keeps caving in and giving them more concessions. But it's, I don't know if anything will be good enough. For anyway, I mean, uh, we both diverted. But, no, it's, but it goes along the same way, yeah. you know. There is this common theme. But you raised, uh, but you raised a very good question, and I want to really, um, maybe, uh, curious to listen to what our uh, listeners would think. Maybe they could call us at eight one three two three nine nine six six three eight one three two three nine nine six six three. They can text to eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. 813-433-0885 and they can send us to dj at wmnf.org and you know Ahmed that uh, we have people from all over the world listen especially when I tweet about the show on Twitter and sometimes I get uh, messages uh, to my uh, phone but you raise a very important issue and I have been talking about it with myself and sometimes with my husband and sometimes with my uh, sister in Cairo is it my responsibility as a citizen to know what is going around me what the government is doing what is the government doing uh, uh, in my name especially for instance Ahmed for you and I and this show when the US launches war across the border in Afghanistan in Iraq or is financing authoritative systems in the Arab world or f supplying them with weapons uh, and the know-how and the technology to oppress dissidents so the question is really out there should people know? Should people follow what is going on? Uh, should people pay attention to what their government is doing, whether locally or not? And the other problem, Ahmed, but we can also talk about it later on, is, I, as I always tell my sister, you're not supposed to understand international relations and uh, foreign policy and political science and how the system uh, in the U.S. is working or wherever in the Arab world is working. But at least when somebody knows a thing or two, listen to him or her. So, for instance, Ahmed, at one time, uh, people were telling me that... Um, in uh, like the Congress will have a secret investigation of Obama, but they won't tell you, like me who live in the US. So they can listen to anybody that says 
anything that is not is meaningless, but not listen to people who understand, who might have studied uh, really uh, the works of politics and the Congress and all that. I know <laughs> I am going everywhere right. here, but it's no, so I mean, frustrating. But it's frustrating because it, the thing is, and um, many of the people that are obsessed with the news, ju news junkies or people that just follow things, a lot of people, um, because of the polarized world that we live in, and the spread of social media, and for lack of a better word, the fake news that's out there and misinformation campaigns, many of the people that are actually paying attention are the people that are most or are most likely to believe misinformation. Um, not to overgeneralize, but a lot of people that are they're looking for things and want to hear and read things that reinforce their existing beliefs mm -hmm. or their existing conspiracies or their ex existing biases. They're not necessarily looking to get to the facts or to the news um, or to the truth. They're looking to for somebody to tell them what they already believe. Okay, you know, you know, Muslims are bad. They're evil. They're looking for somebody to say that and say, oh, look, that's exactly what I believe. And it's just, again, I mean, it's a big segment of our society. It's not everyone. Uh, and when Trump came along, for example, and then he started saying some things that other politicians never said before because it's not true or it's so hateful, then these people are, are saying, look, this guy is speaking the truth. He doesn't care about the consequences. Um, no, he's just basically saying things that some of these biased people already believed in. And not to say that all of Trump supporters are racist or biased, but uh, a great you know number of them were, and they bought into that. And we're just seeing more and more of this. And social media is designed, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, is to keep giving your feed mm -hmm. things that will just keep you online. So if you start, if they start sending you. Um, news that you're not interested in or topics you're not interested in or that you don't believe in, then you're going to look away. You're going to turn it off. And they end up just sending you more of the same misinformation. So now you're in this bubble and there's no way to fact check this stuff. Um, and of course, you know, add to that the dwindling number of uh, reporters out there because of budget cuts, because big tech is taking over advertising, you know, newspapers. And these news agencies are were mainly making their money through advertising. Now, most of the advertising has shifted to tech companies and online. So there's less and less content being written by actual, you know, journalists, career journalists or people that have a background in journalism. And you have all these citizen journalists out there now that, um, you know, if you're not careful, some of them are doing good work. Citizen journalism can be good. But if you're not careful, uh, there are people out there that obviously are putting misinformation and um, it happens all the time. You know what's interesting, Ahmed, that this type of, um, I don't know I don't know what to call, call it, but to give you just an example, a few days ago, a journalist in the Arab world who speaks three languages told me, you know, I used to listen to Alex Jones and totally, absolutely believe his uh, hoax about uh, the school uh, escapes me. The, uh, the Sandy Hook. Yeah. 
And and I'm thinking, why on earth would you be listening to Alex Jones? And she is based in the Arab world. As I told you, speaks three languages, so she must be good <laughs> in something. And then she tells me only recently, only after the lawsuits and the trial, that she realized that she made a mistake. But there are people and there are some newspapers in the Arab world who at the beginning, before discovering the nature of the news that Alex uh, Jones uh, sends out, especially when he talks about like uh, international conspiracy and the uh, Muslim Brotherhood taking over stuff. Uh, th- what I'm trying to say that this is crossing borders now and that you have people who hardly speak good English would believe in whatever uh, people like Alex uh, Jones would say. There is another guy, he's a preacher, uh, he says he's a preacher, but turns out that he just went for uh, one year uh, to a Catholic school. He's an American, maybe Matt, Matt Walsh, his name. And because he was pushing against LGBTQ, uh, you have all these young Muslims attacking me because I just asked one question. Uh, do you know his stance on Islam? Like, do you know what he thinks of you as a Muslim? And they just, oh, you, you typical liberal, you are leftist, you live in the West, you, you work for the government and starting like bashing me and abusing me, Ahmed, for asking a question. I didn't say he says bad things about Islam. I just said, do you know? <laughs> so it is dangerous. I feel that what is going on really with this fringe kind of information that is sent out on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter is really dangerous. And it's radicalizing people uh, in in a negative way. And we do have emails coming, Ahmed, and we do have phone calls. Uh, so I don't know what do you want to do next. Shall I read the, an email that I just got? Uh, well, right before that, I just wanted just to comment about what you said that uh, these, the right wing, um, misinformation and white supremacist campaigns, um, lead to real world uh, consequences. Uh, you remember the New Zealand, uh, Christchurch mosque attack, which was, uh, was by one person. He killed 51 people or 49 people, uh, around 50 worshipers. Uh, and injuring dozens of others. I think the final number was 51. In the New Zealand mosque, um, he, he was influenced by right wing media. He mentioned people like, uh, Representative Steve King of Iowa, Tucker Carlson of Fox News. And, uh, he was being radicalized, uh, by media that's out there, media that's, uh, both in the mainstream media as well as, um, you know, on social media, you can look up the Southern Poverty Law uh, Center had done a um, an article, a, a report on his radicalization. So, and and the same thing, the the mass shooter that killed people in um, in Denmark uh, also referenced right wing people. Remember when? He, uh, yeah, what I, year was that? Uh, mm. That, that it happened, he killed a bunch of, uh, I mean, yeah, young campers, leaders young, at a yeah, camp. Yeah. Well, there, they were, uh, a camp for, uh, young people, uh, like some sort of summer camp that mm-hmm. are affiliated with the liberal party in that country. And he thought that they were the enemy because they're 
opening up their country for immigration and Islamization and he's buying he's believing all these conspiracy theories that Muslims were taking over Europe and he wanted to stop it um, yes uh, I think uh, after we give our station ID we should uh, you know read some of those emails but I also wanted to play get back to the story at hand which you know Itmar uh, Gavir going uh, on Al-Aqsa Mosque today and that type of provocation and I want to play parts of this interview that was on Democracy Now! because it was really fascinating, if listeners missed it, um, of the reaction to that. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Let's this is True Talk on WMNF, and um, please read your email. Let me wait on the email because I do have uh, okay. a caller because I'm not sure if the caller is going to be talking about Palestine or the things that we have are discussing because Betty has sent us something about the segment that we're planning to uh, play. So, Rufus, uh, good morning. You're on True Talk. On, I think, is it? Oh, wait, <laughs> I have to take. Good morning, Rufus. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I am very good, alhamdulillah. How about you? Did you have a happy new year? Everything's going well for me. Um, I wanted to, to compliment y'all on your presentation. I agree with just about everything you said, but I just kind of wanted to add a couple things. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in a, a segment of society that, unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of uh, right-wing folks in, and some of them are old friends. And if you carve out some of their stuff, they're basically pretty good people. Not un Unfortunately, not all of the people that are going a little too far left are what you would consider um, troublesome. Um, so that, that concerns me because, you know, there's a, a lot of, fairly decent folks that are just being radicalized by the media, just like y'all guys said. The other comment I wanted to make was it seems like generally societies and governments usually last about 250 years. If you, you know, if you do a little research and if you look at the United States government that's been around us, we're bumping up on 250. So, I mean, we may be looking at some significant radical changes, and unfortunately, um, looking at the adult brats that are, are pitching a hissy fit in Washington now, I'm afraid that there's a pretty significant lead into a, a stepping backwards in a backwards society. So um, I'd like to know if y'all have thoughts or comments on that. Very interesting, Rufer, especially the first uh, part, because most of the people I interact with and some of them I invite to dinner are uh, people who watch uh, Fox News. They don't like uh, brown people or Muslims, but they like me and my husband. And I find it's <laughs> they're very kind, loving people, but uh, I think they watch too much of some uh, right wing news. But you're right. We can't uh, judge people. Ahmed, do you have any uh, idea? Ideas or thoughts before. Well, you know, one time I, one time I heard a congressman say that, uh, you know, that Congress is really a alternative to violence. Um, if we don't have a Congress, if we didn't have this form of government, what we you would have is violence, and this is how people would settle their differences. Um, and unfortunately, if these people in Washington don't get their act together and put the country before their party or put the country before um, 
or or governing before their you know narrow interests, um, it could you know cause uh, more polarization and uh, could lead to some sort of violence or flare-ups in different area. And that's just it's just very irresponsible. These people. The whole idea of governing is to compromise because you're not just governing for yourself. You're not just governing for the 20 people. Those, who do those 20 people represent? I mean, mm-hmm. one of them is from Pinellas County, this woman named Luna. I think her name is Luna. Is the, the one, one you know, who said the others are eating popcorn and uh, alcohol or it's another one? I don't know who said that, but there's uh, the woman from... Um, um, from she's the new member from um, Pinellas County took over Charlie Chris's seat. Um, I don't know why. I think just 2023 is just becoming very foggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know it was just a controversial um, win to begin with, but. Most of these seats, uh, and the congresswoman from uh, Colorado, they barely won. Oh, yeah, her name is Anna Paulina Luna, mm. which, by the way, is not her uh, original name. There's all type of controversy about this Anna Paulina Luna, which who who says she's um, of Hispanic background, but there are many allegations out there that she wasn't. She's actually white, and she changed her name to a Hispanic name. Um, like you know, George, changed, like uh, legally. Ch- George Santos. Like that's Santa, another, yeah, like that's another. That's another that's fraud another, from New York. <laughs> that's another story that I don't know how he can be sitting. I, I yesterday tweeted, you know, because they called him on his name twice to vote, and he missed mm-hmm. it. So maybe it's not even his last name. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. There's several of these. Like it's becoming now normal, not normal, but a few people have done it where they completely lie about their background and somehow the media doesn't pick it up like like with him where was the media doing all these investigations beforehand to 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 reveal who that he is that he's not jewish his um you know whatever everything he basically said it turned out to he's he's not gay he's didn't uh, go to school you know and and he didn't. His friends didn't die in the Pulse nightclub shoot. You know, um, and massacre. his mom. His mom died the September 11 several times. Correct. So it's. I, I'm not saying Anna Paulina Luna did. You know, went that far, but she definitely changed her name, her legal name, from a like a German name to a Hispanic name, and claimed claims to be Hispanic. Um, and. Uh, there are, you know, allegations that when she was in the military, she was working at some sort of strip club and, you know, hid that from the public. But again, she barely, she didn't won by um, people like them did not necessarily win by 80, you know, 70, 80 percent of the vote. They have other constituents there. And uh, the member from Colorado that had a recount. So. You're basically holding up the whole government and Congress because of these what would be considered fringe members uh, is irresponsible because uh, the longer you have this type of stalemate, um, the worse the country is is, and people more and more people will have um, will lose faith in 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 the governing process, and that could spill into violence eventually. 
And of course, that's bad news for everyone. So uh, when he says the country, you know, governments last 250, you know, 200, 250 years before some real shifts happen, uh, I'm not, you know, I don't think the United States is going to go away, uh, but there's definitely going to be some sort of realignments. We're in some sort of political realignment uh, time frame here where I'm not sure if these parties are going to remain as they are. Maybe they'll split. Maybe they'll, the two parties will become four or three. Uh, because a lot of people that are somewhat in the middle, I guess the same people are saying, wait a minute, we're being hijacked, uh, by the extremists here. And, uh, what can they do about it? Definitely the Republican party seems to be, uh, hijacked. Some people on the right will say that the left is being hijacked also, uh, and focused on very narrow issues not the kitchen table social justice issues that affect most Americans. So there are complaints on both sides. And I think uh, it goes back to the question. I'm glad you mentioned that because I always uh, go back to the Arab world. The Arab world is more like the young people who interact with me are getting so mad at me because they think I I hate uh, Trump and I love Biden. And I tell them, no, I don't like Biden. I don't like uh, necessarily because I don't like Trump. It doesn't mean I like the Democratic Party, but they, they feel that uh, and they attack me that I am liberal and uh, leftist and they feel that only the only topics that the liberal and the leftists talk about and the Democratic Party only LGBTQ issues and they say what about Palestine, what about uh, uh, healthcare, what about other issues and and they think because I seem to be more <laughs> to the left that uh, I'm pushing these uh, agendas to, to so what I'm trying to say Ahmed is that it is no longer an American issue. These issues are becoming international issues and they are touching upon people who otherwise should be against the Democratic and the Republican Party, but they are favoring the Republican Party, although it is not in favor of democracy in the Arab world or the freeing of these uh, citizens or dissidents. But they are siding with them because they feel that they are more attached to family values, which is a very sensitive issue in the Arab world. So what I'm trying to say, Ahmed, it is transcending borders. And what is going on in America is reflected also in the Arab world, Um, not necessarily directly, but these young people are listening to the likes of Matt Walsh and Alex Jones and... uh, other people that I don't want even to mention their uh, name, but let me. Some re- of the the crazies, some of the crazies, and uh, and 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 that's how they gain this popularity, um, because you know they may say some things that have that are based in fact, but then then the rest of it or their conspiracies are all fiction, and um, that's how they fool people. So uh, or, yeah, or- definitely have to be careful. Or, for instance, there is this uh, uh, Christian uh, American preacher whose English interview has been translated to Arabic and people send it to me. So I'm thinking, you know, why would he be uh, commending on something that has to do with Muslims? Yes, I remember that the Muslims have the uh, the one fa- one Palestinian Muslim family has the keys to the, I think, uh, the church in in Jerusalem. 
So I'm thinking, why would he be talking about that? So I went to his, you can hardly see his name on this translated thing that gets into my WhatsApp. So I went to Ahmed and read, he's an anti-Semitic. He's a, he's a blatant, white, racist, anti-Semitic human being. Okay, but mm. because he said that little thing about the Palestinians, it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get rid of the Palestinians. But at that moment, in order to hit at uh, Jews, he needed to uh, be positive to the Palestinians. This was translated and it's going all over the Arab world. And I'm trying to tell these people, don't take... Uh, just because he said one good thing, it doesn't mean that this is a, a, a reliable source for you. You don't need this uh, p- person. And oh my God, Ahmed, they, they just start using vicious language. And I tell them, look, you are so sensitive to the Palestinians or to the to Islam. Islam doesn't allow you to be so vicious and to use sexual innuendos when talking to me. So it's it's uh, anyways I am getting well, I mean, are these real accounts or are they bots These are real no no uh, these are real accounts some of them are people who have agreed with me on every issue and especially if there is like a, a bombing of Gaza or a flare up or somebody arrested all of them would be retweeting and liking and sharing the stories but there are like two or three taboos that there is nothing, nothing that can uh, help them. So let me just read a few um, uh, emails, Ahmed, that uh, we got and uh, messages, and then you can go to the segment. Let me start with the most recent one. Alex Jones is a greedy opportunist. Karma will catch up to him uh, soon. Uh, And then let me go to Betty's... Silberman, I don't have my glasses. Even, I'm cutting here, even my Holocaust survivor parents never agreed with Israel's occupation, military excesses, and land uh, grabs. Ben Gavir is a dangerous man to his own country. Millions of Jews are condemning his actions and positions. Uh, thank you, Betty, but I think they need to be extremely vocal, like Gedon Levy, if you play the segment, Ahmed, now, he will um, mention important things about the society and how people are ignoring all these atrocities that are taking place in the occupied territories. He's actually wishing for uh, Israel would come out and uh, uh, officially annex the West Bank so people can uh, see the apartheid system. You want to play it, Ahmed? Yes, here we go. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. This is an interview with Diana Bhutto and Gideon Levy uh, about Israel's new far-right government and um, the most right-wing Israeli government and uh, Itamar uh, Ben-Gavir's entering the uh, Muslim um, uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque sanctuary. One second. And this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. And let me announce. The New York Times headlined Israelis have put Benjamin Netanyahu back in power. Palestinians will surely pay the price. Um, We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Diana Butu, let's begin with you. Let's start with this latest action 
Considered an incitement by so many, both Palestinians and Israelis, not to mention the rest of the Middle East. Talk about who Itmar Ben Gavir is. I mean, he wasn't just charged with um, uh, incitement of racism against Arabs. He was convicted of it and supporting a terrorist organization. Yes, Itamar Ben-Kvir is, he's a disciple, he's a follower of Rabbi Meir Kahane, who is a man who believed that Palestinians should be ethnically cleansed from their homeland. And Itamar Ben-Kvir has espoused the exact same views as Meir Kahane and continues to espouse these same views. Um, he's talked very openly about his support for Baruch Goldstein. And his visit, his latest visit to the Al-Aqsa Mosque camp- compound is not just a visit, it's an attempt to show that there will forever be Israeli sovereignty on the Al-Aqsa Mosque and he's trying to uh, incite violence. Not only is he trying to incite violence, he has long believed that the Al-Aqsa Mosque should be, should be, should disappear and in its place the Temple Mount be recreated. So his policies have always been that of inciting to violence, inciting to hatred and although he was only convicted once, he has been indicted more than 50 times. The fact that he is a allowed to be a minister in this government just shows how much it is that the international community is allowing fascism to reign and that they're effectively doing nothing. All that we have heard since this visit and since he's become minister is that the world supports the status quo, but it is that status quo that has led to people like uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir being able to become minister and their actions being normalized. I fear that what he intends to do is to create more and more and more violence as a pretext to once and for all, as he put it, uh, showing Palestinians who the masters of the house are. Those are his words, not mine. Gideon Levy, could you also respond to uh, Ben Gavir's appointment as national security minister and in particular his appointment to this uh, post? Benjamin Netanyahu uh, had to uh, create a government. He had, he's leading the biggest uh, party. And uh, he decided this time to go with the most extreme right-wingers. The problem is not this. The question is why those right-wingers are so popular in Israel. Mm -hmm. And here we face a reality which is well known for a long time. The Israeli society is a very right-wing, nationalistic and part of it, racist society. We have to face this. That's the main problem, not if Ben Gvir is a minister or is not. The problem is who are we facing when we speak about Israel? And in many ways, I see also a positive side to the results of the last elections by tearing all the masks. Now we see reality. Now it's not the umbrella of the Zionist left who speaks so nicely and does almost the same like the right-wingers. Now we face the extreme racism in its most pure expression. Those people don't deny the racism. Those people say very clearly that the Jewish supremacy means that only Jews have rights in this land. And I hope that both some parts of Israeli society and above all the international community will finally draw the conclusions.
So Gideon Levy, that's exactly right, that these far-right parties have received this kind of support, uh, almost 11% in this election, but that's much higher than in the past. So could you explain why you think uh, these far-right, hardline extremist parties are more popular now in Israel than they've been in the past? It's almost inevitable. If you continue with the occupation, supported by the Zionist left, not only supported, led by the Zionist left. And if this reality of an apartheid state continues, it calls for extremism. It calls for telling the truth. It's call, it calls for telling, for tearing the mask and saying, we aim to be an apartheid state. The occupation is not temporary, the occupation is here to stay. And if it is here to stay, it means we are an apartheid state and we are even not ashamed of it. After 56 years of occupation, you can't expect anything but this radical movement, while the Zionist left never tried to separate itself from the occupation, never tried seriously to put an end to it. So if there is no other force in the Israeli power, let's go for the extreme. This makes a lot of sense. Diana, could you so talk about that? The uh, shift in Israeli, uh, in the Israeli polity further to the right and the role indeed the left has played. You wrote a recent piece headlined, Israel's so-called left has aided the far right's rise. Yes, uh, Gideon is exactly right. Look, the, there's been a so-called left inside Israel for quite some time. But this so-called left is, I say so-called because that's exactly what it is, so-called. They self-proclaim as uh, left-wing, but this is a left-wing that has never stood up against the occupation. It's a left-wing that has supported the various attacks on the Gaza Strip. It's a left-wing that has supported the siege and blockade on the Gaza Strip. It's a left-wing that has supported the enactment of racist legislation, even in the past couple of years. And so when you're an Israeli voter who sees that the options are between uh, this so-called left wing, which has supported the exact same things as, as the right wing has, then of course it's natural that they're going to vote for this fascist right. The big problem has been that we've never seen that Israelis have paid a price for their electoral choices. It's always been that Palestinians pay the price. And with this, with this new government, it's going to be Palestinians once again, but even more than in the past. Unlike previous Israeli governments where there were other issues that they may have been focused on, this current government, this new government is myopically and only focused on making life miserable for Palestinians. They don't have any other political platform other than to try to ethnically cleanse Palestinians. This is why we've seen since the beginning of this year that Israel has killed at least one Palestinian per day. And this is why we're seeing the plans to uh, completely ethnically cleanse the Palestinian town of Musafariyata. It's because this government has put in its, in its crosshairs Palestinians, and given that there's nobody in the international community that's stopping them, it's going to continue full steam ahead.
So let me ask you about Masafa Yatta, uh, near Hebron in the occupied West Bank, the southern part. Israel's military has begun demolishing homes, water supplies, olive orchards. This week, Israeli armored vehicles accompanied demolition crews as they raised homes and farms in two villages. Last year, the Israeli High Court of Justice approving the home demolitions, which will uproot more than a thousand people, uh, leading to the U.S. congressman who happens to be Palestinian-American, Rashida Tlaib, uh, tweeting, not even one week in 2023, new far-right apartheid government is moving to ethnically cleanse entire communities, which would displace more than 1,000 Palestinian residents, including 500 children, all with American backing, bulldozers, and bullets. Talk about um, the U.S. support at this point for Israel. You have President Biden congratulating Netanyahu his return to power, saying he looks forward to working with um, an old friend for decades, adding the United States will continue to support the two-state solution and to oppose policies that endanger its viability or contradict our mutual interests and values. Um, can you talk about what you feel, and I'd also like to Giddens' response to this, uh, the U.S. should be doing now? Look, the U.S. is way behind in the times, and if they still think that there's something left of a two-state solution, then it's only in their dreams that they're, that they're seeing it, because we certainly don't see it on the ground. Instead, what we have seen is that Israel has been allowed to do whatever it wants when it comes to uh, killing Palestinians, when it comes to stealing Palestinian land, when it comes to ethnic cleansing, when it comes to crossing the red lines that are enshrined in international law. Israel's allowed to get away with it, and not only get away with it, but continues to receive support and and uh, and financial support from the United States as well. This isn't just a question of statements, but they're also getting financial support from the United States. And what, as we look around the world and we ask ourselves, we're now in the year 2023, and they're still talking about a two-state solution, a two-state solution that died more than two decades ago, and yet they've done absolutely nothing on the ground to make sure that two-state solution comes to fruition. Instead, all that they have done is to facilitate Israel's process of slowly ethnically cleansing Palestinians. One of the new members of this, of this new government is a man named uh, Smotrich, who came out just uh, last year in 2021 and said that the only reason that Palestinians, who are citizens of Israel, like me, are still allowed to exist is because the job wasn't finished in, 20, in, in 1948. Thereby basically telling us that our time here is short. What the U.S. has instead done is instead of giving them a red light and scaling back and decolonizing and pushing for Israel to end its occupation, end its apartheid, it's pretty much served as a mask for Israel to continue to do whatever it wants to do. And this is why we're in this situation now. It's we've seen that the world is doing nothing. We see that the Israelis, as a result, uh, don't have to pay a price. And so once again, it's going to be Palestinians that pay the price for Israel's electoral choices. Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. You've been listening to Diana Buto. She was on Democracy Now! Um, earlier today, actually, speaking about Israel's new far-right new far right government and uh, the news and the images of one of its, uh, its most right-wing minister, um, Ben Gavir, 
entering the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And uh, it's sad that the United States is basically um, not doing much. Either is another form of willful ignorance, pretending that they care, the government, uh, the administration, the Biden administration. And there was an article in the CNN that says, don't expect Biden to uh, confront Netanyahu anytime soon. I mean, despite uh, Netanyahu surrounding himself with the most uh, extreme, um, most fringe ministers and politicians, uh, Washington is not doing anything about it. As uh, Bhutto is saying, there's basically are going to continue doing what they've always done is just provide a mask for um, the Israeli government's continued apartheid regime. It's true, Ahmed, and it's interesting uh, that uh, I, two days ago I was listening, or yesterday was it? No, two days ago, yesterday actually, I was listening uh, because I didn't have electricity for most of the day yesterday, but that's another story. Again? Yes, Ian, uh, you know, passed away. Uh, you know, I mean, oh God, I mean, moved on and uh, the media moved on, but the consequences uh, did not move on. The FPL couldn't you know, they fixed electricity, but the, 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 what they call it, the wires were kind of low. So a big truck mm -hmm. uh, moved and took the whole electricity with him and the internet, of course. So I don't have internet at the home, but let me, because we're running out of time. So I was listening to this, um, international lawyer and he was telling us that, for instance, um, if, if a country is investing in Israel, it is in violation of international law. If they are investing in uh, any part of the occupied territories or in Jerusalem, or if you take a visa to visit these areas, you are uh, violating international law. Every step of the day, we are, uh, uh, anyone is, uh, uh, violating international law, Geneva Convention, uh, the Roma Conference, I think they call it. And interesting, Ahmed, uh, these uh, crimes uh, and these violations uh, don't go away. You know, even like uh, if a person is dead, uh, they stay in effect and they are all considered as part of ethnically cleansing uh, societies and uh, people. Um, so we can talk about this later on. But I want to read uh, this email that you and I uh, got, Ya Ahmed. Uh, it's from. We almost uh, are out of yeah, time, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so. very quickly. True talk. I love you. You're all so right. And we know integrity is to be honored and yet often comes with a cost. Those who speak the truth stay strong. This is Amy in St. Pete. So it's nice to end the show, uh, Ahmed, uh, with uh, a positive note. And, um, Inshallah, you will uh, get better. And I see Stuart Millish is in the studio and he has a huge playlist. He just emailed it. Uh, so expect uh, wonderful music coming. Bas ya Ahmed. Not now the music. Let me just give the station ID. This is uh, True Talk on WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. And then Stuart Millish is there for three hours. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm not